So we are going to be talking about wisdom. One of the ways we get closer. Uh, Ethan read our text. So we're going to jump into what is wisdom, first of all. Before we can know how to get closer uh, in in wisdom, I suppose we probably should identify what it is and what it is not. Um, when we talk about this um, when we talk about wisdom, I think we frequently jump to several conclusions, generalizations. And um, I think the first thing that we think of when you hear the word wisdom, you think of wise, you think of smart. Right? That's the, he's a smart person. He's a wise person. And we make the, the jump to information, this ability to contain a lot of information. And that is true. That's a part of wisdom, and we're going to look at exactly what role it plays in wisdom, but that is not uh, what wisdom is. Now, there's another generalization that we make, and this, I think, is a better generalization if we have to make one of the two, but it still misses the point a little bit, and that is that it is the application of that information that we have, that we're applying it. Now, that's a... That probably is better, and it still, I think, misses a little bit uh, of, what it, of what it means. Uh, but it is um, the ability to discern. And we, we kind of see that it's, uh, in, even in our text as we go through, we're going to look at some of these verses. It's not just a collection of information. And it's not just putting it into practice. I, now, I certainly can memorize all the facts. Well, I can't really, but, but, but let's, let's assume that I could. I could assume all, I, I, could, I could, I have a photographic memory. I knew a guy that had the New Testament memorized. I know that's pretty impressive. He had actually most of the Old Testament too. And uh, uh, his name was Burton Barber, and uh, I'm, I'm really good friends with his nephew, and uh, I had a conversation with his nephew. I went to college with his nephew. And, uh, and his, he, he said, you know, Burton said when he was older that he wished he spent less time memorizing it and more time studying it, which was, I, I thought was interesting. Uh, now, this is a guy that forgot more than I'll ever know. I mean, this is, the, the guy was well studied even still. And, and still his focus was on the ability really to comprehend the information. And that's the, the key piece. That's where the wisdom is. This ability to, to place it together and, and come up with an application. It, it, it's, it's the framework, I think. And so I want to, to look in, uh, at our text and come up kind of with an equation, not for the definition of wisdom, but for, we'll call it the wisdom quotient, I guess, to, to look at what wisdom uh, what things uh, are contained in wisdom. And if we look at our text, uh, let me explain this. There are two things, and this is the, the opening and, the, and about the, the conclusion of our text. Verse 13 says, Let him show by his works the meekness of wisdom. And then he concludes by saying it's full of mercy and good fruits. And one of the things that we will see in wisdom uh, throughout this is that it, it has an internal thing, and it has a production, right? It has this external thing, and that's where wisdom is. It, it's not just in the internal, 
the information. It's not just in the external, the doing. But it is in the whole body. It's, it, it's, it's wisdom is this internal thing that becomes an external thing. It's the whole process. And so we're going to look at the, the, what wisdom is and break down wisdom throughout this, this new series that we're going through. And so we need to look at, we're going to look at the purity of wisdom this week. Pure wisdom. And he says it's first pure. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and sincere. And I think sometimes we tend to look at statements, complex statements in the Bible like we're putting together a model. This is how I tended to put the model together. Judge, dive right in. Order's not important, and that's about what it looks like when I'm done. Uh, my brother always put together nice models. I didn't have the patience, but I wanted to be like my brother, so I wanted to put models together. And so, you know, uh, directions uh, kind of have an idea what it's supposed to look like. You have the nice piece, had that beautiful piece, and you, I can only picture that painted, which I never painted it nice. But, uh, but I, I, you, you see that, that finished project, and you don't realize how many things you have to do intricately to get to where that looks like what it's supposed to on the box. And I think sometimes we read the Bible the same way, where we, we think that it's that intricate. And I don't think that this is, I don't want to say that there's no order to this, because I do think there's some order to this, but I don't think that we could break this down into, you know, like, um, you're going to have to show gentleness before you're open to reason. I don't think that's what he's saying here. And, and, and then from there, you will directly proceed to full of mercy. I don't think that's the way this was intended. But the word first is here, whether it means in order or in order of importance. Um, and I do think the idea is that purity is going to be here, and then the rest of this is going to be after in some order. Right? Uh, that's, I think, the concept. And that's where I want to begin, the purity of wisdom. And I want, we're going to look at kind of why wisdom needs to be pure at the beginning of things for us to get anywhere else. Is order important? Yes, it is. It is. Um, because this identifies two things that we've observed. This pure wisdom, it, it says it begins inside. That, that's kind of what we've already seen, this uh, it begins inside, and then it's going to produce a bunch of other things. The initial reaction, I think when we, when we see the word pure, what does the word pure mean? Well, let's talk about what it doesn't mean. When we, when we hear the word pure, we, a lot of it we understand it by what it isn't. And when we're talking about pure wisdom, again, we jump to that information. Well, what is it not? And, uh, and I think we, we tend to look at it in terms of the information that I'm, I'm absorbing. And I can think of all the negative things that I could absorb, whether it be uh, philosophies of people around me, uh, the, the, the things that I observe in my entertainment, whatever the things are, I can think of a wealth of negative wrong information and the scriptures do talk about kind of the idea that we do need to have an incredible filter 
on the information we take. It says, finally, brethren, in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. So, so he's definitely saying uh, that our information needs to come from a pure source. Or to say it this way, it's going to be hard for me to have pure wisdom, not that information equals wisdom. It's going to ha- be hard for me to have pure wisdom if the pool of information I'm drawing from is not pure. That's true. But that does not mean that the wisdom is the information. It's, it, it, it involves that, but it's this ability to put that information together and, and, and form uh, what's going to be my life. So what then is pure wisdom? or What is the purity of wisdom? Well, Paul gives some identifiers. Uh, <clears throat> he says it's not what it's, it's not from above, right? And, and we're going to look at some of this text. It's interesting that as we go through that, that, that large text, different things that it's not, correspond to some of the things that it is. Uh, and, and we're going to kind of match, not perfectly, but we're going to match some of those up. We're going to match one up with purity today, specifically. But we're going to talk about uh, operations management. That wisdom is a framework from which we build our life. It is uh, Operations management means it, it's the structure from which I determine all of my processes, right? In business, it works this way. In, uh, in school, it works this way. The things that I determine how I'm going to operate, I have a system of evaluating things. We all do. We have a, a, a way we evaluate the relationships we're going to be involved in. Friends, you're, you can be my friend. Uh, you can't be my friend. Right? Yeah, we, and, and some of them are strange, but, but we have... We have values that we hold, and these values form our, what we call, operations management. Everything I'm going to pursue, everything I'm going to want to to be and and get involved in, they're all having to do with my wisdom. That's my wisdom. So, um, he says, James 3.15, he says, now wait a minute, he says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And so he's comparing two different types of wisdom that people have. And he says, well, it is a kind of a wisdom. It is a, there are people that have a logic that determines what they're going to get involved in, that, that determine all of these different structures that they're going to have in their life. It's a form of wisdom. It's not just not, he's just, he's not really that wise. But it's a, it, it is a structure that people use to determine their lifestyle. And he says, wisdom that's from above has to be pure. It cannot be mixed with this other stuff because you're not going to get the right thing if you mix them. They don't, they don't mix well. I, I tried to think of something that doesn't mix well. This is about the good as I, I could come up with. 
Uh, we were down in, in Arkansas, and there's a restaurant in Searcy. It says chicken and coffee. I don't have a picture of that restaurant. Otherwise, that would be up here. Like, I like chicken. I like coffee. But I'm not going to go to a restaurant that says chicken and coffee. Like, that's, that doesn't mix well to me. It's Oreos and salsa. Those don't... And, and God says, uh, my wisdom and the wisdom of the world don't mix well. It's got to be pure. These things have, have other philosophies and have other ideas. And you will not get to where you will not develop a, a system or lifestyle that's going to be where I want you to be if these other things are a form of your or a part of your wisdom. The things that you value and your priorities and all these different things. And there's one in this list that's important that I want to draw out. It says where self jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and there will be every evil thing. And again, we see an internal and an external. Don't you see that? He says that there's going to be an internal thing and it's going to naturally produce an external thing. And we see that again and again in this passage. But I want to marry up the purity specifically with the ambition. And I want to separate for just a moment jealousy from selfish ambition. These are not the same thing. They're similar, but they're not. And I wanted to define the difference between the two. Selfish ambition looks exclusively at me. I have a thing I want. I value it because it's going to benefit me. I am the exclusive person in the view. Jealousy is a little bit different in that it is looking outward, sort of. It's looking at other people. With a view to what I want from what I would like, what I wish I had, it does kind of look at other people, but from a selfish perspective. I'll say this. You probably can't have jealousy without a little selfish ambition. You can have selfish ambition without jealousy. I, I can really be in tune to what I want without really wanting your stuff. Similar. They're related. And I want to focus today just on the selfish ambition because this is the internal, that internal, natural, physical element of wisdom that we sometimes try to marry with wisdom from above. We, we sometimes try to shake that oil and water. We, we do that experiment with the kids and try to shake them up. Oh, look, they're mixed. Oh, no, they're not. Right? And we sometimes try to do that, I think, in our own lives. Because sometimes an ambition that we would have that is human, that is physical, is not intrinsically bad. And, and so it's... It seems, okay, this is okay. This is, it's, a, it's a neutral thing. And so it can be married to, well, maybe it can. But we're, if, if we're going to, then, then we're going to look at how that can be also. And so this is, self, just want to focus on the selfish ambition. Well, if I'm going to look at selfish ambition, what I need to do is look at the selfish part. Okay, I'm looking at me. Well, now we have ambition. What's ambition? Let's define or describe ambition. 
just a second. It has to do with goals, right? All ambition does is it's a way of saying goals. And there's different aspects of establishing goals. Well, first of all, there's the ultimate goal. And if, if I have selfish ambition, that means where I want to end up, wherever that point in time is, whatever that thing is that I really want, has to do with me. It's a selfish ambition. Well, guess what? Most of my goals have to do with me. Because what? I make career goals. I make education goals. I make all sorts of goals. I'm typically at the end of those, aren't I? Is that wrong? Well, sort of. It can be. Now, I'm obviously going to be involved in all of my goals. Either I'm doing something, if I'm, even if I'm doing something for somebody else, I'm still involved in that. So I, I can't separate myself from that. So, so, so selfish ambition says, but this is a goal I have that really exclusively, I am I'm the benefactor. I'm, I'm the one doing and I'm the one getting. And if somebody else benefits, it's only by accident, really. Well, <clears throat> when we go somewhere, if I take a trip, I've got a goal, I've got a destination in mind, I know that all of my points along the way are going to lead, right? I'm going to go somewhere, get out the map, and I plot points along. They're all going to be points that I want to hit. I'm going to go out of the way a little bit. They're all going to be points that I want to hit. On they're, they're going to get there. That's every trip we've ever taken, unless you don't use a map. And you might not get there. But if, if you're plotting out goals, you're going to plot out points to get there. And so if I plot out a selfish ambition goal, ultimately, I'm going to plot out little minor step stones that all have to do with me. Well, if I want this, then I am going to have to have this first. And I'm going to have to have this first. And it's all going to be, if, if I start thinking about you over here, randomly, guess what? You don't get me to me. No, I'm all, I, I, we go, this, this is every trip. Every trip. If you've been in a car with a man on a trip, this is what you've done. Like, the kids have to go to the bathroom, right? They pass an exit. Why didn't you stop? We go past three exits. Finally, I have to pull in. Why? Because that's a diversion from, I want to be there. I want to be on the road. I didn't want a diversion. Like, I, I, I stopped for gas. We stopped for gas. Why didn't you go to the bathroom and stop for gas? I didn't have to go then. <laughs> we were right there. Now, see, I've got an objective. Now I'm 15 minutes behind my objective. Now, by the way, you, you multiply 15 minutes times the number of children. <laughs> That's the extra time you'll spend on a, a, a less than one day trip. For every day, you, you do that twice. That, that's a mathematical, that works. Someone told me, I'm like, that works. So, now all those cars have passed me. I passed them already. I've got to pass them again. And we're going to pass them and you're going to have to stop again. See, why? All those things, I, I view your 
having to go to the bathroom as a diversion from my goals. And this is the way we do things. It's a selfish ambition. <coughs> Silly, but it's a kind of a selfish ambition. And this is the way we structure life when we put selfish ambition. Other people's needs, other people's things are a diversion, and they take time away from me getting to where I want to be. Or they take a financial. If I give a person this, I am now at a loss from where I wanted to be here financially. And we evaluate it that way. Time, my time. I was going to devote a Saturday to this project that I have that's been on my list for a year and a half. And now I have to do this. I have to. See, I have to. A person is a chore. A person is a diversion. Selfish ambition. See, the chore isn't the bad thing. It's a good chore. A financial goal may be a wonderful thing to have. All these things. But when we introduce selfish ambition to it, now it becomes a thing that God says, now it's mixing. And it's not going to be wise. It's, it's not going to get you where I want you to be. So it has nothing to do necessarily with whether the thing itself, whether the information itself or whatever is wrong. It's the wisdom. It's the process. It's that management that's wrong. And so the third thing that that goal, that that selfish, amb that any ambition, any ambition you have, good or bad, is going to have things that it sacrifices. That's the third thing. Sacrifices must be met. Right? You have an ambition. Well, it could be a dietary thing. I have a dietary ambition. Okay, there's going to be sacrifices. Uh, it can be... Education, any field, pick, pick a goal you want to accomplish, and there's going to be something you sacrifice. And that's what we're talking about, sort of, in, in terms of where it ends up leaving what God wants it to be, is because so many times it, that sacrifice is going to be people, God, or the church, which the church is people. We say it like this, it's going to be an individual, it's going to be a group of people, it's going to be God. How's that? What do I sacrifice for my goals? And that will determine where my ambition is. It's an inescapable truth. And so, Colossians, Paul writes this, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ... Then seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For, if you've, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this is what we've been talking about this is our whole year. Getting closer to God. He's like, you, you kind of have stated, if you're a Christian, you've stated, I want to be closer with God. That's a part of the, the contractual thing that you, that, that's like the benefit. I want to do this. I want to get closer to God. I, I'm getting something out of this. And God says, okay, but if you want to be closer to God, you have to get closer to God. 
there's the, the, the goal has an implied obligation involved. You want to be closer to God, God's not doing all the moving. That, that, that old story, the, 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 the old couple, uh, and I've used this before, but uh, he got an old car, you know, the old bench seats. Remember the bench seats? And uh, going to church on a Sunday morning, the wife says, we don't sit together anywhere anymore on our way to church. And he goes, I haven't moved. <laughs> I'm where I've always been. Why don't we sit together? And, and, and that's kind of the way it is. God hasn't moved. If, if we're going to get and be close to God, there's a certain impetus upon me to do some of the moving. And God says, that's going to begin inside with pure wisdom, determining what will be outside. If you've been raised... I like how he phrases that because he's assuming they have. It's a rhetorical statement. If you've been raised, well, then there should be some things that follow this, right? Then seek the things that are above. Get closer to God. You're going to have to establish a wisdom that's not down here in the physical, in the sensual, in the demonic. It's going to have to. So I want to So okay. The source of wisdom then, good wisdom, proper wisdom, productive wisdom, is above. We established that. And, and, and being a Christian is to say, I want that. So the question is how, and that's where we're going to leave you today. My goals and my structure have to be oriented to get me there. It's not to say that I can't have goals that, aren't, that don't improve my life. That's not what we said. I can have education goals. I can have, I can have financial goals. I can have any of those goals. Those are all fine. Those cannot be A. They cannot be my ultimate goal. Because what? Okay, I die a smart guy with lots of pieces of paper on my wall and a lot of money in the bank. All right, now what? Or those can be stepping stones towards the big goal, which is not me. It does not have me at the center. So that along the way, other people aren't sacrificed. And God is not sacrificed. And church is not sacrificed. For the accomplishing of those goals. Those are a part of the trip. Those are a part of the journey. To the ultimate goal. Which is the relationship. The in-person presence of God. That is where I'm seated. That's where I've RSVP'd. Right? That's, that's, That's the assumption. That Paul makes. Because if my goals. If my goals aren't oriented there. I'm not going to get there. Scary. But if I have a demonic goal. Guess where I'm not going to be. 
And he says, selfish ambition is a demonic wisdom. It's not from God. It's not going to be a stepping stone on the way where you want to be. And so if I'm sacrificing divine things for earthly things, that's the tell. When these two things come into conflict, which one am I choosing? I can't escape it. If I'm wanting to make a lot of money and travel the world and enjoy, 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 there's a person at the center of that. If my goals, however, how, how can I do that differently? Let's look how I can do that differently. So I want you to leave here with something valuable. I have an education goal. I have a financial goal. I have whatever it is, an accomplishment goal, business goal. We all have different kinds of friendship, relationship goals. How could I use that relationship goal or that whatever goal to help the church? I have a talent. I have a thing I like to do. What is a way that I can use that? For God. See, I have the goal. I have the ability. I'm trying to improve myself in the area. But how is this mechanically being used? How is my mind saying, I can use this practicality inside, outside, to improve God? Now, I've, I've made that a stepping stone towards the goal. And guess what when I do that? What's going to naturally happen? What's naturally going to happen is other people are going to get brought into that. We're going to naturally incorporate the relationships that we have. Other people, not Christians, other people, Christians, are going to become a part of that thing. And that's how God says that wisdom becomes pure. It gets applied, and it will always, always produce that destination that I signed up for. It's, it's about the, the operation of my entire life. Taking what are natural goals, but not earthly goals. The, the, the difference, they're, they're things that are a part of our lives because they're a part of our lives. Because we live in a physical world. And we accomplish physical things. But God is saying... There's a way that we can take physical, natural things and, and we can kind of convert that currency into something eternal. David. Please stand.